Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. Well, you'll want to grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 22, verse 1. Well, we continue through the book of Acts, starting at chapter 22, verse 1. Tell your story. The story about Jesus and how he came into your life, how he changed you forever, how he rescued you from your past, from hopelessness, from sin, and he made you brand new and gave you an eternal future. Every Christian has a story to tell. I think of the testimony of the blind man, one of the shortest, simplest testimonies I've ever heard. I was blind and now I see. And Jesus did it. He put mud in my eyes and he told me to wash them. And they tried to overwhelm the blind man and the clergy tried to mess up his testimony. And you're lying and you're really not blind. And But it was true. Jesus set me free. Jesus gave me sight. Jesus changed my life. And how could they destroy such a true, simple testimony? You know, from the blind man and from other testimonies, there is a simple outline for sharing your story or your testimony. And I would outline it like this, and I'm going to give you a homework assignment. I want you to write this down and go home in this week Write out your testimony, and it probably will take less than three minutes. And the outline is this. There's three parts. My life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and my life after Jesus. Do you see the three parts? And we're going to see this today in the life of Paul. His life before Christ, how he met Christ, and his life after Christ. And I would encourage you maybe about a minute on each one. And try to do them equal. Some people put all the time in the first part. Oh, I was such a sinner and I did drugs and I got drunk and I did this and I slept around. And and they focused on the past and all the gory and kind of give maybe too much credit to the past. And then they'll make when I received Jesus really short and then my life after kind of short. And so I'd encourage you make them equal, all three, maybe a paragraph for each and about a minute for each. So your total testimony should be about three minutes because most people are not going to give you three hours, but they'll give you three minutes. And then share it with someone, maybe a child, a grandchild, a family member, a friend, or even in church, we always encourage people to come share your testimony. We'll give you time to share your three-minute testimony. Well, let's see it in the life of the Apostle Paul. Before Christ, he was Saul, the persecutor of the church, the destroyer of the way, imprisoning and killing Christians, uh, a zealot of Judaism. This is his past. Let's read it. Acts chapter 22, verse 1. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. Do you remember the Jews were just trying to kill him? They've been beating him into a bloody pulp. And now they're trying to kill him, and the Roman soldiers save his life. 
And now he's on the staircase up high overlooking thousands of Jews that want to destroy him. And he's going to use this bad experience as another opportunity to share, to tell his story or what we call his Christian testimony. Now, when you give your testimony, it should always have Jesus in it. If it doesn't have Jesus, it's a story, but it's a secular story. But a Christian should have Christ in their story, Christ in their testimony. You are my Jewish family. See, he calls them brothers and fathers because he's a Jew just like them. But he's defending himself because they have accused him. They want to destroy him. So it is his testimony, but it is his defense. Verse 2. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect or Aramaic, which would be the common dialect of the Jews, simple, the people's language. He wasn't being all fancy and formal. He was speaking to them in a simple way so that they could understand. They became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew. I'm just like you. I'm one of you. Why are you attacking me? In Tarsus of Cilicia, was brought up in this city. I grew up right here. This is my hometown, Jerusalem. I'm one of you. Educated under Gamaliel, one of the greatest rabbis, the most honored in that century. I studied Judaism, I went to the little Jewish school. I know the law, the Torah. I love it. I love our heritage and our faith. I'm not out to destroy it. But actually, I believe Christianity fulfills it. Christianity does not wipe away the law and destroy the Ten Commandments. We need law and order, right? Do you want to live in a country of law and order? But Jesus fulfills the law. Jesus completes it. He is the ultimate sacrifice of the law and our Savior and our Jewish Messiah. Strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you all are today. I'm just like you. I'm Jewish. I have a zeal and a passion and a drive for God and excitement just like you do. You were just trying to destroy me because of your great zeal for God. And so he tried to destroy the Christians too. Verse 4, I persecuted this way. Now the first church was called the way. Christianity was the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so they were called the way, and then later, Christians, little Christ. So I try to destroy this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison. I had zeal and passion and fervor just like you, just like you all just tried to beat me up and kill me. I was the same way. I beat up Christians and I killed them too. A zealot. A zealot is someone who has extreme passion for their religion. Sometimes zealots can even kill and hurt and wound people of other religions because of their love for God. It kind of gets twisted and perverse. And we see this in, with terrorists. You know, in the name of God, 
I'm going to destroy other religions. Paul remembered his past. He felt that he was a horrible sinner. In fact, he called himself the chief of sinners. He felt because of his past, he had done more sins and lived more of an anti-Christian life than most because he tried to destroy the church of Jesus. He arrested Christians, he wounded them, and he even killed them. And I look back and think, yeah, that's pretty bad, that's pretty low. That's, to me, the worst enemy number one of the church would be a horrible sinner. We all have sins, we all have past that we regret. When you share your testimony, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit what things you should share. Some things people need to know, some things they don't. I would share the things that people can connect with, that they can identify with. Some things, you know, you tell them, yeah, I used to do that too. Oh, you did? I'm not the only one. Wow, we have a connection. So depending on your audience is what you should share, what God puts on your heart of your wicked past. Verse 5, as also the high priest and all the council, the council would be the Sanhedrin, of the elders can testify their witnesses. I was on your side. I worked for them. I was a part of Judaism, that religion, destroying the Christian religion. From them, I also received letters to the brethren, to the Jews in foreign countries and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. I was working with on your side, right? With the Sanhedrin, with the high priests. I had letters signed by them. I was going to foreign countries to cleanse the Jewish churches, the synagogues of Christians. People were getting saved in the Jewish churches, so I was pulling them out because they were an infiltration. They were a cancer. They were bringing more and more Jews to Jesus, and we needed to stop that and destroy that and incarcerate them and even kill them. This was my job. I was one of you. So he's church enemy number one who is going to be converted to becoming one of the greatest apostles, pillars of the church. What a flip. What a turn. The roles have been reversed. Have you noticed what Paul was doing to others has now come upon him? He was destroying Christians, trying to beat them up, kill them, bringing them to Jerusalem, having them incarcerated. And now he's the Christian being beat up, being arrested, being incarcerated, and he will eventually go to his death, his martyrdom at Rome. The roles have been reversed. Part two, how I met Christ. So that's his part one, his past, right? Your past, do you remember your past? But for the grace of God, there go I. Do you remember? Were you a sinner? Do you remember how you lived? Do you remember what you came out of? You need to share that. You need to relate to your audience, to connect, and to speak their language. Identify with those you're witnessing to. It could be your own grandchild. It could be your best friend. It could be your coworker. You speak their language. 
You know the idioms, the expressions. You're an American. You're from this, you know, Nevada. You know the lingo. Tell them simple, plain, direct, connect, because that's where they're at. But now number two, how I met Christ. And this is Paul's Damascus Road experience. Verse six. But it happened that as I was on my way, Approaching Damascus about noontime, high noon, how ironic, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, all-encompassing. It was the power of God. It was the Shekinah glory. It was Jesus Christ himself come from heaven in all his glory so bright it blinded me like standing in front of the sun and my eyes burned and I was blinded. Verse 7. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I heard his voice loud and clear. He knew my name. Can I tell you, God knows your name. He knows your number. He knows where you live. He knows you intimately. And he wants to connect. He wants to communicate. He wants to call you up. And Jesus says to Saul of Tarshish, why are you attacking me? You're persecuting me. Do you know when you attack a Christian, you attack Christ. When you attack one of God's little kids, you're messing with him, and he doesn't like it. And he's going to come to their defense because Jesus equates with his body. God recognizes his spiritual family. He was knocked down to the ground by the power of God. When you hit bottom, you need to look up, right? It's time to pray. It's time to talk to God. When God knocks you down, he's getting your attention. And he has his methods. He has his power. And he can do whatever it takes so that you will wake up and listen to his voice. You know, when I was not a Christian, I was always asking God questions. Why would you do this? God, what what are you doing? This is crazy. God, I'm mad at you. I was still communicating with him, but I was asking the questions. But I think when you encounter Jesus, when you get saved, now he asks the questions. What are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) What are you doing, John? You're supposed to be doing this. John, you need to give me an account. (laughs) And now Jesus is asking the questions of us. And we need to listen and give an account and respond to his voice. Verse 8. And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene whom you are persecuting. I'm Jesus. I think Paul or Saul, he's still Saul, he's blown away. Jesus, the Jew who died on the cross, who they say rose from the dead, how can you be here? 
Why are you here? Why are you encountering me? I thought you were fake. I thought you were phony. I tried to destroy you and your followers. And now you have a wake-up call. Jesus is alive. Jesus is for real. The Jesus that you attacked, that you made fun of, that you cussed at, you cursed, and you made fun of Christians and believers. I'll never set foot in a church. And now you discover Jesus is for real? (laughs) He's alive and well, and he's come down to earth to call an important apostle. I'm Jesus. Verse 9. And those who were with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. Everybody saw the light, but only I heard the voice. Only I could distinguish and understand it. God is having a private, personal message with you, a conversation. He wants your attention. It's me, Jesus, and I'm going to ask you some questions and give you some instructions. Wow. Encountering the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Christian has encountered Christ somehow, some way, through His words in the Bible, through His Holy Spirit, through the Holy Trinity, through His body, through the church. Jesus is reaching out. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is after you. Have you found Him? Have you experienced him? Have you felt his presence? Have you heard his voice? Do you feel his conviction? He's pulling you. I'm Jesus, and I'm speaking to you. I believe you should ask Christ. Reveal yourself to me. Christ, if you're real. Jesus, if you care about me. Show yourself. Do a miracle. Reveal yourself. And I believe if you do that prayer in faith, Jesus will show himself to you. He wants you to find him. Verse 10. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go into Damascus And there you will be told all that has been appointed for you to do. I'm listening. I'm obeying. What am I supposed to do? Well, get up off the ground. Come into the city and you'll get the next step. That kind of drives me crazy when God just gives me one step after another. I want to know the whole path. God, show me the whole road map. Show me my whole life. You know... 20 years, you know, I want to plan it all out. And God's like, nope, just today. You just need to know what you need to do today. Get up, go in the city, and then you'll get the next step one day at a time. I think God only gives us one step at a time. He doesn't give us the whole roadmap because he wants us to be dependent upon him throughout our journey. So God says the next step Move to Reno. The next step, ask her out. The next step, take that job. The next step, end that relationship. The next step, throw that stuff down the toilet. The next step, unplug that computer. You know, one step at a time. And you do that step, and then you get the next one, the next direction. And sometimes we're on hold because God's still waiting for us. You still haven't done what I told you. i got to tell you again, after you do that, now we can progress. 
We can get up and we can move on. Verse 11, But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. The power of Christ was so overwhelming. His face shines like the sun. Imagine looking too intently at the sun, right? He's right in front of the Son of God, and his eyes are burned, permanently damaged, blind for life, unless a miracle happens. Why would God blind someone? Why would God give someone a sickness, a disability for his glory? to get their attention. I believe sometimes God will make you sick so that he can heal you spiritually, so that he can wake you up. And I've heard so many testimonies of how God used a sickness, a disability, a blindness, a deafness, what have you, and that caused that person to come to the Lord. When I was crippled and in a wheelchair, you know what I was doing when I was flat on my back and couldn't walk? I was praying. I was reading my Bible. I was looking up and saying, Jesus, I'm listening now. Hospital bed, close to dying. Jesus, I'm listening now. Give me that Bible. I've got to read some verses. This may be my last day. And God gets our attention. And yes, he has the power to supernaturally heal you. And boy, every day I prayed, God, let me walk again. Let me walk again. Get me out of this wheelchair. Verse 12. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who live there. In his testimony, he says to the Jews, a godly Jew, help me. He spoke a message for Jesus He was the instrument of my healing. Ananias, he loves God. He loves the Old Testament. He loves the law like you Jews. Another bridge trying to reach his fellow Jew. Verse 13. Came to me and standing near said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. And it was like scales fell off my eyes. I had been blind day after day after day, not knowing, will I ever see again? Will I ever walk again? Will I ever get out of this cast? Will I ever leave this hospital? God is gracious. God is the healer. And there is the gift of healing today. And the Holy Spirit uses Ananias, a believer, to speak healing to Saul, who becomes Paul, to become a Christian. I've seen many people come to the Lord or come back to the Lord through a healing, through the hand of God. He brings them back. 14. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one, Jesus and to hear an utterance from his mouth. Are you listening, Saul? Ananias' message, God has chosen you. 
He's picked you. He's appointed you. Jesus has come from heaven, resurrected from the dead in his glorious heavenly body. He's left the throne, come down to earth to appear to you, to give you a message. Are you listening? To give you instruction. To choose you to become one of his apostles now. I believe in order to be an apostle, to be one of the twelve, you must be chosen by Jesus himself directly. Some churches say, well, it's a progression, you know, laying of hands, and they pass it from apostle to apostle. No. Only Jesus himself can choose an apostle. Only Christ can say, you are one of my twelve apostles. So therefore, I do have the belief that, you know, Judas Iscariot uh, kills himself. We have a vacancy. The church votes in Matthias, but I think Jesus votes for Paul. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.